0: pause your word counts, and enjoy. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited to be welcoming a very special duo to celebrate a very special book, The Stepping Off Place. First, we have Cameron Kelly Rosenbloom. She grew up in Connecticut, studied English literature at Kenyon College, and earned a master's in education at Lesley University. Throughout her teens and early 20s, she filled journal after journal with anecdotes and characters she met knowing someday she'd draw from these pages to write her novels currently Cameron is a children's librarian living on the coast of Maine with her husband and two children the stepping off place is her first book oh. joining us is her agent Allie Levick Alexandra Levick is a literary agent writer's house where she's developing her picture book middle grade young adult and adult lists she represents a diverse list of creators whose styles range from literary to commercial and just about everything in between so uh, that being said, let me introduce you to the stepping off place. Kirkus Review says, for six years, Reed, 17, has warded off anxiety, social awkwardness, and the loss of her mother's attention. Her younger brother is autistic, and her mother has thrown herself into fundraising for autism research by hiding behind that um, vibrant Hattie. But since Hattie Summers on her affluent family private island in Maine were with unreliable cell service and no Wi-Fi, Reed hasn't seen her in weeks. When days before the start of the school of school, she learns Hattie has drowned and her death is likely a suicide. The storyline bounces back and forth between the past and present to fill in details of Reed and Hattie's relationship, including all Hattie deliberately hid from Reed and quite a lot that Reed hid from Hattie. Reed always understood that her role in Hattie's life involved not demanding answers or intimacy. At the same time, Hattie was essential in Reed's life and was learning to navigate each day without her her seems impossible. The large cast of characters, particularly the high school students, are well and sensitively drawn. The novel doesn't glorify suicide or dwell on the details of Hattie's death. Instead, it explores loss, futility, and honesty and love with a richness of prose and excellence of characterizations rare in a first-time author. Despite the difficult topic, a story to favor uh, is for Fiction, 14 and 18, and this did win a Kirkus star. So congratulations, Cam, and welcome, Allie. Thank you. you.
1: Congratulations, Cameron.
0: Thank Thank you. I'm so excited for you guys. And I would say to all of you listeners that this book um, arrived in my inbox yesterday. And I went to, I read it before, but I went to read it in, in the, hard, the hard copy form. And it was immediately snatched by my 16-year-old daughter who <laughs> had given it back. So, um, yeah, welcome. So, you guys, on the Manuscript Academy podcast, we love to have the author-agent combination. So, tell us, how did this happen? How did you find each other? So, Hmm. this is
1: actually a really unique situation Or it seems unique. I think it happens more often than people realize. Well, it's Um, certainly
2: unique to me. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I was still an assistant at the time that Cameron queried. And I was actually working for an agent, Stephen Barr, at the time. And Cameron had sent this query to Stephen. And I distinctly remember where I was when I read this query. I knew 100% within the first 10 pages that this was something really special and it was something I wanted to work on. And it was something I felt like had to be published. And I totally remember running down the stairs to his office and being like, "Stephen, we have to talk about this. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about this. I love this so much. We have to request it. Like barging in so rude, <laughs> like in retrospect, good grief. But I was so excited And I remember we chatted a bit and he was like, you know, go ahead and request it. You're clearly really excited about it. You clearly love it a lot. Let's see what it's like. And I remember requesting this from Cameron and reading it pretty immediately and still being so excited about it. And just still loving it so much. Like it lived up to everything I wanted it to be, everything I hoped it would be. I saw so much potential in it. And I remember when I talked to Steven, he was like, you know, Allie, I think this is a really great writer. I think she's really talented. I don't think this is the right story for me. And I like, swear to God, I felt my heart break. Like, I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> like how? No, <laughs> I'm not accepting this. And I remember, I think, like the look on my face must have told him I just like wasn't going to give up at this point. And I'm kind of the type of person who's just not really going to back down when I really love something. So he was like, you know, why don't you take this to Brian Johnson, who was another agent I was working for at the time, and see if she's interested. So I remember I took this to Brie and she was like, you know, Allie, I've, I've got a lot going on, but like, I see you're really excited, you know, I'll give it a read and, you know, things progressed. I think it was over 4th of July, actually. it's the weirdest timing. It was the weirdest timing. I was on the road to my best friend's wedding and I get this ding from Cameron and she's like, Hey, I have an offer of representation. (laughs) And I swear to God, I screamed and was like, no, (laughs) I cannot let this happen. I cannot let this happen. So I'm like freaking out, emailing her being like, okay, we really love this. We really love this. Like, hold on, please don't make a decision yet. And I remember when I got back, I called Brie and like threatened her into reading the book. (laughs) I I was truly like, you have to read this. You have to love this. I will not accept another answer. Thanks. Uh, (laughs) And that's what happened. And she read it and she was like, oh my God, like, this is incredible. This is like, just so transcendent. Thank you for pushing me on this. Cause she really did have like a lot of other things going on. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how we got to that point where Brie and I gave Cameron the call. A little so, bit out of the ordinary, so, but very fun.
0: Yeah, let's talk about the call in a second. But so that's so interesting, Cameron. I, I can only imagine what it feels like to hear her, well, you know, talk about that from her end. Tell us about your publishing journey you know, prior to this point? Well,
2: I have been working on trying to get published. I had never until the stepping off place, I had focused on middle grade because I am an elementary school librarian and I have been a teacher and that's the grades, you know, that's sort of the age group that I was really Uh, familiar with.
1: And I have to say, I think that's so funny because Cameron has (laughs) the most YA voice, like the most naturally YA voice I think I've ever read.
2: Oh, that's so sweet. Oh my goodness. Well, I, so I, I tried to, I actually, I, I, I think my middle grade was my learning, my learning grounds because I revived, I went, I joined SCBWI. I did so many workshops and I just really tried to educate myself. And I think unfortunately my manuscript kind of was the victim. It was like the Frankenstein's monster of a book. It just became all these sewn together opinions that I took on from other people. I I don't think I owned it enough to be honest. And so, but I think I had to go through that to learn it. So I, I don't really regret any of it. Of course, I wish it was all in like a little bit fast forward, but it did So by the time I started the stepping off place, I I had learned a lot about publishing, about the business, about everything. Anyways, when the stepping off place when I started writing in YA, I just it like it was like something clicked. I just was kind of like, why haven't I been Writing in this all along, but I'm kind of glad that I came to it the way I did because I think I probably would have made it into a Franken book too if I had used it as my learning pad. So I guess it all worked out. But yeah, I I feel so grateful that it landed where it did because with Allie and Bree, who co-agent, I. It's so important to have somebody who feels like eh, that about your book. Like I, I still kind of blows my, I, I still like have to pinch myself sometimes. I'm like, oh my God, wait, this is really happening. But so.
0: Cool. Great. Yeah. So tell us about the call. Oh gosh. The call is go- so scary.
1: From our end, like I get, I do get nervous because you're kind of like professing your love <laughs> for this project and they may just be like, cool. Bye.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No way. I literally, I mean, you know, those, you know, I, I feel like I, I wish I could have like a GIF right now of me, like running up the ceiling and (laughs) up the side of the wall and up the ceiling. I was like so nervous when they called, but I was so excited. And I don't, I just remember when you hear, when you are, working on something and it's like your heart and soul of a creative project for, you know, a few years and all of a sudden people you don't know are telling you how much they want to represent it. I can't put into words that feeling. It it just, I, I, it, it was the best. It was the best. It was one of the best days of my life. It's like up there with, you know, getting married and having my children. I, <laughs> oh. It was amazing. And I also felt a connection. I really felt a connection I, to them both, Allie and Brie, I loved the style. I could tell they were so professional. I could tell that I was going to be in really good hands. So it was a match. You could just feel it.
1: Yeah. Oh. And it's like after the call, there's usually this waiting period where the author takes some time to make their decision. And oh my God, that that. is the worst. (laughs) I I feel like that happens so often. And I just sit, I would sit in my desk chair, like rolling back and like looking at the other assistants I was sitting with at the time being like, do you think she's going to say yes?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, on uh, my end, it's like the total opposite. It really, somebody should make a sitcom of this, but it's like, you know, you're waiting with all your hopes and dreams are like on the line, all dependent upon this, this, these other people. Yes. It's so subjective. So And I definitely had had many, many rejections because, as I say, I've been working in middle grade for, I mean, kind of a long time, like seven years or something. And I know I was doing other things, too. I mean, but still, on my sort of creative side, that was really where my heart was at the time. So I definitely been through my my share of rejections. But so, yeah, it's pretty much the greatest feeling ever, that call.
0: (laughs) We hear that all the time here, that it's just... And when I talk to writers at this point, I say that it's almost like it's an energetic thing. That it's something, you know, and they're like, well, how do you get your query letter so it's like perfect? Or, or, you know, how do you get that first page that's perfect? And I, I think that it's like the right book at the right time with the right person. And um, when all those things line up, you know, it's almost like you get in a funnel where you shoot through that funnel. Yeah. But, but finding that sweet spot often isn't easy. <laughs> and so- that's for sure that's yeah. for sure. So Ali, just, I know people are already wondering with the enthusiasm that you have for writing, what else are you looking for?
1: Yeah. So I actually represent everything from picture book to adult, which offers a lot of opportunity for me. And is part of the reason I wanted to be an agent, because I love books that are all over the map and things that really catch my eye. The biggest thing for me is a voice that I can latch on to, and that's what stuck out to me in Cameron's pages, honestly. Reed's voice is so captivating from Go that immediately, like, I'm telling you, still now, if I read those first 10 pages, I cry, like, without fail every single time I have done it really awkwardly at conferences (laughs) where I've been presenting the first 10 pages and being like, this is a great query. These are great 10 pages. And I get teary and it's embarrassing every time. (laughs) (laughs) And I really look for books that are answering or asking really big questions. So like the stepping off place talks about grief and suicide, and mental illness. I think those are really important things to be talking about and conversations to be had. I want to represent books that spark those conversations and that you don't just put down and say, that was a nice story and move on with your life. I want those books that you feel compelled to like, bother the person who's sitting next to you mm-hmm. and be like, Hey, I just need to talk to you about this.
0: Um, oh, that's because yeah. that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have do too. I'm, I'm a lurker. I'm always like this book. Can um. I,
2: can I say, can I add something to it? Because this yes, is sir. really funny. Okay. So of course I live in Maine and I, you know, you, we carry on lots of conversations without ever meeting anybody face to face. Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, everyone does these days. So, I did finally get to go on. a I went down to New York, and I was—it was my big day. And Allie and Bree invited me to Writer's House, and we had lunch, and it was so awesome. But when I walked in through those iconic doors, I could barely, you know, keep my feet connected to the earth. But the person behind the desk was—I mean, I still could get—talk about she looked up. She looks up from the phone, and she's like, "Are you Cameron Kelly Rosa Oh my god! The whole building knows who I am. It was like the wildest experience. And then I got to meet the people who work on foreign rights, and they all made me feel like I—I mean, I felt like it was a bit of a head trip. I'm not gonna lie. That was so fun. So I don't know why I'm throwing that in there, except for that it is just magical. It's magical.
1: No, but I think that's so important because I remember when we got to share this book with our subrights team. So that would be Cecilia De La Compa and Alessandra Birch. I remember Alice calling me on the phone, like her office is in the opposite building to mine. So I can kind of see her through the window. And she was <laughs> like, Ali, I need to talk to you about this. Like, oh. this is so beautiful. And she still comes up to me today and is like, this book is so gorgeous. Aww, it's so it's meaningful. Boring. And that's what you want. Like that's the reaction
2: you hope for. Absolutely. So Cam, how did you come up with this idea? For me, it's a it's a really personal story in a lot of ways. Uh, it's of course, 100% fictional, but as we've said, it's it's a story about loss. It's a, it's very much a story about friendship and like the Kirkus review actually sums up the summary really well. But so a lot of it is reads, she has to learn how to navigate life without this person. And that does, that never happened to me precisely. However, the friendship piece that is Hattie and Reed is totally a mirror, uh, the essence of it, the very, very core of their sort of relationship, not the events around it, but the, the relationship is based on my friend who as an adult took her own life. And I was so devastated and shocked because I would never, ever in a kajillion years have thought she was even suffered from depression, let alone the level of depression she truly was suffering. I found out late, I missed the funeral because she lived across the country. And, you know, we just kind of sporadically would like randomly call each other up and send Christmas cards. And so when I, when I found out and I was felt so helpless because I couldn't do anything and I knew the the family was reeling. And so I didn't want to bother anybody. And I, so that's really when I turned to YA and I was like, all right, I'm going to process all my emotions through this fake story. So I give myself a little piece, a little distance, and I'm going to pretend what it would be like if I had lost her when we were still young, because we had this, at least in my mind, we had this, this relationship was very much sort of like superhero and sidekick. So their dynamic, the narrator is the sidekick. Reed is a sidekick. And so I just created this whole story around it. It was kind of an excuse for me to, to grieve her. I'm a big believer in art therapy. And I think this really was like art therapy for me. And I'm it's kind of, again, just like surreal to know that it's made its way into the world. It feels like such an incredible gift from my friend, wherever she is up there. It's just really personal. So yeah. So that's sort of where it came from. I just decided to try my hand at YA at sort of the same time that I learned about her, her passing. And so this is how the stepping off place came to be. And I I did want to focus because suicide is such a difficult topic. And I really wanted to do justice to it so that it wasn't, first of all and foremost, not glorifying it in any way, shape or form. I was actually afraid to touch it at the very beginning, but I quickly realized it is the story. And so... Mm-hmm. And that was a big so, point of discussion for us. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. So... I guess that really, it came down to turning it into something that also celebrated the survivor. And I wanted to honor the horrible, anyone who suffers a, a sort of shocking loss. I mean, it's it's horrible. And I think when you add the feelings of guilt and just how difficult a suicide is to, to navigate for family members and close friends. And even it usually has a ripple effect in a community, especially when it's a young person, it's really devastating. And so I, I can't, I, I mean, if you knew me personally, you probably would not think I was the person to write that. I don't know because I'm not, I'm, I, that was hard for me. So I actually, I think it comes through in the story is that I would get really exhausted writing the sad scenes of Reed's grief. And so I would flip it to the friendship as soon as I start to get, you know, if it was too pulling me down too much, I would just flip it and I would start writing about the friendship. So it does jump around in time so that you get to know the relationship between them really well. And I think that that I was very conscious of making it not too heavy of a book, although it certainly deals with pretty heavy stuff. Like, yeah. Okay.
0: Could you read us the first page?
2: Sure, yeah. Chapter one, August 27th. I didn't know this was the day I would stop breathing. It was rush hour in my hometown of Schofield, Connecticut, and I was heading home from my matinee hostess shift at the dinner theater. Unfortunately, I'd forgotten my running clothes and still wore my compulsory hostess uniform a polyester girl tux with a skirt instead of pants, two thick pantyhose, and black loafers. God help me. I just hope nobody spotted me. I crept along with the other cars jammed on the post road. It was the kind of traffic where you should pay attention so you don't rear-end someone. But the sky was so captivating, I couldn't take my eyes from it. The clouds were equal-sized puffs arranged as though a pastry chef had carefully decorated the endless sweep of peacock feather blue. It was so impossible and so much like this Georgia O'Keeffe print Hattie had hanging in her bedroom called Sky Above Clouds 4. It bordered on freaky. Hattie and I texted each other when we spotted one or two O'Keefe clouds, perfectly oval ones. But this was like Georgia herself had stopped in Schofield and painted the sky. I wanted to FaceTime Hattie. She would love it.
0: So, Allie, what did you love about this first page? So... Oh, my
1: God, there's uh, it gives me chills, honestly. I'm just sitting here staring up at the sky, like thanking Cameron for writing this. But I think the first thing that captured me was Reed's voice again. it it just leaps off the page. You immediately know who she is. And then Cameron has painted this beautiful scene that you can see playing out in front of you. Like I can so clearly envision. What is going on here? And then two, she's introducing this relationship with Hattie that already feels so lived in. It feels comfortable and like there is a history there, which I think is so hard to capture in the beginning of a novel. Oftentimes I feel like people introduce someone to us and it feels like this is the first (laughs) they've ever appeared ever. And that's not the case here. Like Hattie and Reed's relationship feels very lived in already. So yeah, I think those are some of the things that stood out to me in that first page. And then the first 10 pages we see, the real first chapter, um, I think is just so emotionally resonant. We go from believing that Reed has seen Hattie In her car, driving just ahead of her, not being able to reach her, to learning that she has died. And this scene that Cameron has written, which really hasn't changed much, Cameron, from those first pages that I saw in The Query, which totally made me cry when I first read The Query. (laughs) Just apparently a weeper about this book. (laughs) But... These first pages reminded me so much of my own experience. My best friend was murdered in a domestic violence incident. And I still remember getting that call. And Cameron has captured that so beautifully here. Like, I, I find it just so incredible that she has put those feelings to words. It really, like, just bowls me over every time I read them without fail. And often when you read things time and time again, they start to lose their emotional resonance because you know what's going to happen. And that's just not the case here. Like every single time I feel it the same way. And it's just astonishing, honestly. Like that's the only word I can give it. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I mean, I we talk a lot about first pages at the Manuscript Academy. And I feel like Kerman's first pages do almost, they're almost spot on in pacing and like a level of humor that's that, and, and actually real sense of place that fully brings you down into that emotional sphere. And she doesn't rush it, which is amazing. Yeah, uh, and
1: it feels like you've been like dropped in, like parachuted in. Yeah. To a world that has already been going on around you, it's wild. Yeah. And
0: and 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 with the you know the multiple timeframes, you know you do get to see, you know through a very interesting lens the before and the after. Mm-hmm. So it's really a fascinating study in, you know, the teenage brain, but also loss and and what it means to be a friend.
2: Yeah. yeah, and
0: during a tense time of your developmental life, you know. Yeah, and so
1: it's actually interesting because Cameron lost her friend as an adult to suicide, and I lost my best friend as a teenager. So we kind of filled in the blanks mm-hmm. for each other yeah. here, yeah, in a lot of ways. And I remember one of the things we talked about in thinking about the before and after timelines was what would trigger those before moments, like what would trigger those past memories coming in. And we talked a lot about, you know, the way thinking about one thing could so easily lead into remembering the time when. And I think that's such a kind of recurrent theme or thing that happens with grief. You're doing something completely normal when you suddenly realize like, oh, we used to do this
0: together. Yeah. Yeah. Like you guys, I guess I say I have to say this because I feel like we've gone on some emotional (laughs) turns here. And I'm getting a little weepy myself just thinking about all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like I've had a lot of loss the last couple years too. But I don't want to like dismiss how hysterical this book is. Yes. <laughs> think, actually,
1: yeah. so one We're of my it. favorite scenes is actually right before the funeral. There's something very funny that happens that cracks me up every single time. And I think like this is just such an, a tribute to how talented Cameron is that she brings out those moments of ridiculous morbid humor that you know there are still things to laugh about even when it feels like your world is ending and she does this with such remarkable talent and grace it is
0: just as It occurs to me that cam just like you had to you had to write from an emotional standpoint but then you knew you had to go back and do that mm-hmm. right yeah well,
2: you mean go back and make it
0: and, enlightened, right? I remember, oh, we yeah, yeah. I
2: could so, honestly because I couldn't take it be, being in that yeah. writing space, you know, you're really in your head, and it's just I, I also would every time I got sad, I would, I this is gonna sound a little weird, but I <laughs> channel my friend because she's like one of the funniest people I've ever known, completely irreverent, totally hilarious. And so I would be like, what would we start laughing about if we were nervous right before we had to go into a funeral? Mm -hmm. And so, and that, and that's where I would come up with everything and and it would be like, okay, she just watched the Johnny Depp version of the legend of sleepy hollow. What's that going to get her to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, she just was that kind of person. So I honestly kind of feel like I was, she is so woven into this book. It feels like we co-authored it almost. It's just, so I really, I really, it is emotionally wrenching because I was trying to honor that side. It, and I also equally am about uh, all about not writing something I myself couldn't bear to get through because it was too hard. So I really, at least half the book is antics and shenanigans. Yes. <laughs> so, because that's just who they, who, who these characters are. And so, in fact i think I think we actually had to cut back a little bit on the on the um, <laughs> some of those scenes. I think the prom got cut in half, but, yeah, so I did really enjoy writing some of the funny scenes because that that felt like I had her back next to me sitting on my shoulder or something.
0: Allie, tell the listeners about what you look for in a good author agent relationship so
1: I feel like landing the right author-agent relationship is very important. And like people say, a bad agent is much worse than no agent at all. And, you know, I feel like so much of that relationship is based on communication. I am probably an over-communicator. I want Mm -hmm. everyone to know where things are at any given time and not be wondering because I don't think that's good for anyone. And I hope for the same from my clients that if they have questions, if they have concerns that they will reach out and let me know. I don't think you can ever ask
2: too many questions in an author agent relationship. Because and I will say that every time I'm like, gosh, I'm so sorry if I'm bothering you or something like that. She's like, you're never bothering me <laughs> every single time. She's like, this is never a bother ever. Well, it's Which your career so because We do have a lot of questions too. (laughs) Yeah. And there's, there's so much that is
1: just weird about publishing that when you're in publishing for a long time, it seems normal, but for a new author, they're like, wait, what is, what does this mean? What is going on here? And I think it's so important to get that information and arm yourself with that information. And two, just... I think, particularly on the agent's part, integrity is really important. Doing what you expect, whether or not someone is looking, doing the right thing, whether or not someone is looking, I think is so, so, so important. And sadly, I think there are agents out there who aren't doing that. And
2: that makes me very angry, but
1: that's a whole other discussion.
2: <laughs> Cam, what tips do you have for writers? Oh my gosh, go for it. If you have a dream of doing this, you can do it. I think that's my my number one piece of advice. But that sounds a little vague and cliché. So I will also add I think it is really important to get yourself to a place creatively where you can take in criticism and I mean nobody likes to be criticized, but you can take it in live with it for a little bit and then use it as a as a way an avenue to make something better so if it's through the revision process or even when you're just in a workshopping with your writers friends and writers group i think get developing that kind of mindset where you don't let it pierce your soul every time somebody says something that doesn't that that is less than what you would hope they would say. Because I feel like when I got to the point where I could just kind of listen objectively, I think my writing like skyrocketed because I was no longer like just out flat for three days because I couldn't believe somebody didn't like something (laughs) I wrote, you know? (laughs) Like you kind of have to get past that. And I will say that certainly once you get to the next step of when you're working, you know, with your editor, again, you're going to be doing revising, probably. And I think where you're at a place where when you're just two creative people working on a project together is so, so much better than when you're at the stage where it's deeply emotional. And as we've said, clearly, this is a super emotional book for me. It's very personal. But I got to the point where it's like, I told my, some of the readers I had, uh, sensitivity readers, you know, I was like, give it to me. I've got like rhino skin at this point. I, you cannot, you cannot pierce the skin anymore. And I mean, you know, I'm not going to say I would be, uh, I'm not superhuman obviously, but I just have really worked to tell myself to take it all in stride and turn it around to be something positive to take away.
1: And I would add to that too, finding a team that understands the heart of what you're trying to do and isn't trying to make it what they envision it, but rather more what you want it to be as the author. I think too often, you know, folks just want to include their opinion for the sake of including their opinion or redirect a book for the sake of what they want it to be. And Mm -hmm. it's really, it's the author's book. Their name is going to be on it. And it's so important that their vision for it remains the same and through edits becomes even more clarified
0: yeah that, that's interesting when i critique now that i've been doing it for a while i always say you know this is just my point of view but like if it's not landing in your heart mm-hmm. you, stand, you know because that is like ultimately you know we're all just opinionated creatures mm-hmm. and it's your work you know so it, it's this is great i know i know people are going to love this book i know that it's going to mm-hmm. do really well i can't wait to see what, you know, the children think and the teens think. So it's exciting. So for everyone out there, I'm happy to say that Cameron has generous, generously agreed to hold a write-in with us at the Mayor's Group Academy Yay! on August 11th. It's free for all. During this write-in, Cameron will discuss her decision to use a nonlinear format as a narrative vehicle and participants can explore how to employ this method in constructing their own novel. The author will also share tips for maximizing the technique for emotional impact so that your audience will want to keep the turning the pages. So come with your pen in hand, bring your existing characters or even new ones for a night of community, critical thought and fun. We hope to see you there. Before we go, you guys, can you tell us where to find you online and query? And, and actually, Ali, are you open right now for submissions? So you can find me on Twitter at Allie Levick. A
1: L L I E L E V I C K. And I'm actually opening up to queries again on August 6th, 4th. One of those dates, I'm not sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I am on Twitter at C Kelly Rose, C as in the letter C, Kelly, K E L L Y R O S E. And my Instagram handle is C Kelly Rose Books. Or you can go on my website, www.cameronrosenbloom.com.
1: And Cameron posts really pretty pictures on Instagram. (laughs) Thank
0: you so much. (laughs) Yay. Very good. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Julie. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. And not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be. But it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our First Pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with First Pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.